This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. Today I want to start with some statistics that are from December 16th, 2013. And this is a Harris poll. And in this poll it was asked of U.S. adults. So all these are United States adults. Do you believe in God? 74% said yes. Do you believe in the devil? 58% said yes. Do you believe in ghosts? 42% said yes. Do you believe in creation? 36% said yes. Do you believe in UFOs? 36 also said yes. Do you believe in astrology? 29% said yes. Do you believe in witches? 26% said yes. 24% when asked if they believed in reincarnation said yes. Well, today we want to focus on that 42% that do not believe that the devil is real. That's what the question that we want to ask today is what is the truth about Satan? So is Satan real? Well, over in Luke chapter 4 verses 1 through 3, we have the account here of Jesus being tempted of the devil. It says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, if thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Well, stopping there for a moment, did Jesus have a confrontation here with his imagination? Or is the devil real? Well, in verse 4, Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. <clears throat> Was Jesus speaking to an imaginary person or individual there? No. Verse 5, it says, The devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. But if thou wilt therefore, or if thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Again, is Jesus listening to something that is imaginary, having this confrontation? No. Verse 9 says, And he, the devil, brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So Jesus didn't have a confrontation with his imagination. The devil is real. And Paul was not sent by Jesus to deliver the Gentiles from a mythological being. Over in Acts chapter 26, look at verses 15 to 18. Acts 26, verses 15 to 18. Paul is here recounting his encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus. He says, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. Now notice this. 
delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So in this passage, we see that Satan has power, God has power, and just as real as God is, Satan is just as real. Well, then we have to ask this question. Is Satan then deity? Is Satan deity? Well, Satan is not all-powerful like God is. Go to John 10, 27 to 29. John 10, 27 to 29. Jesus says here, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, speaking of God, which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So God the Father is greater than all. And that includes the devil. In Revelation chapter 20, look at verse 10. Revelation chapter 20, look at verse 10. It says there, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So the devil or Satan is powerless to be cast into this fire, a lake of fire and brimstone. He cannot stop it. So he is not all-powerful. Satan is not deity. But another thing that kind of proves that is that Satan is not everywhere. God is omnipresent or everywhere, but Satan is not. You go back to the book of Job, chapter 1, and let's look at verses 6 and 7. Job chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord, and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. So he is not everywhere like God is, and that's also proven over in chapter 2 of the book of Job. In verse 2, the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. So Satan is not deity. So if Satan is not deity, then he must be a created being. So we have to ask the next question. Was Satan created evil? Well, we go to Genesis chapter 1, and we look at verse 31. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. It says there, And God saw everything that he had made, And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So everything that God created was very good. Therefore, Satan had to become evil. Well, there is evidence in the Bible that Satan was one of the angels that inhabited the heavenly realm that rebelled against God. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 2 we're going to be looking in verse 4. 
that verse says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So apparently there were angels, created beings that sinned, and God cast them down to hell. The word hell here is from the Greek word tartarao. Strong's defines that word this way. The deepest abyss of Hades to incarcerate in eternal torment. But we'll notice that he cast them down to Tartarao and delivered them to chains of darkness waiting there being reserved for the judgment day. Jude verse 6 also gives us some insight into this. Jude verse 6. It says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So they left their first estate. The word first estate there, again from a Greek word that means beginning. They left their beginning, they left what they were supposed to be doing and went to what they were not supposed to be doing. And God has reserved them in everlasting chains unto darkness unto the great judgment of the great day. You might recall that there were several times that whenever Jesus would cast demons out of an individual that those demons would re ask Jesus, are you come to torment us before the time? The time being the judgment of the great day. And also the scriptures refer or excuse me imply to us that Satan is described of the leader or as the leader of this rebellion. Look in Matthew chapter 12 verse 24. Matthew chapter 12 verse 24. It says, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils, the leader of the devils. Strong's defines this word Beelzebub as the dung god Beelzebul, a name of Satan. So the Pharisees ascribe that Satan is the prince or the leader of the devils. And then in Matthew 25, verse 41, Matthew 25, 41, there on the judgment day scene, it says, Then he, the judge, shall say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So another implication that the devil led a rebellion against God, and of course he failed. Well, what, what was Satan's problem there? Well, we look in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, there in the qualifications of elders. 1 Timothy 3, verse 6, we see that it was probably pride is what his downfall was. Of an elder in the qualifications, Paul writes, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Now, some other things going on. We go look in James 3, 14 and 15. James 3, 14 and 15. We see some attributes of the devil here. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. 
This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. So we see some other characteristics of the devil here. Bitter envying, strife, glorying in self, and lying against the truth. You see, he not only lied to Eve there in the garden, he lied to his followers, the angels that followed him in that rebellion. And then we also see that he is a liar. We go to John chapter 8, verse 44. John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus there speaking to Jews that believed on him, verse 31 says, You're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now that brings us back over here to Luke chapter 4 in these temptations that Jesus was going through. There were the devil said to him in verse 6, the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. He was lying. He was lying. Devil is a liar and the father of it. Who owns the world? Well, it's God that owns the world. So, we looked at some of the characteristics of Satan. Let's look at more characteristics. I found a little deal online, a little plaque or something that says of Satan. He rushes you, he frightens you, he pushes you, he confuses you, he condemns you, he stresses you, he discourages you, and he worries you. Well, again, Satan is a sinner and was a sinner from the beginning. Go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. John wrote, He that committeth sin, that is continuing in a life of sin, is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So he was a sinner from the beginning. And as we noticed in John 8, 44, Satan has his followers that fulfill his desires. We saw he is a murderer. He murdered the human race. He's a liar when he said, Thou shalt not surely die to Eve. And he's the father of lies. He's the one who started the lies. Well, Satan again is proud as well as we saw in 1 Timothy 3, 6, where Paul wrote, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. That's condemnation of wrong there. And Satan is oppressive. In Acts chapter 10, look at verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says there how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The word uh, translated oppressed, Strong's defines this way, to exercise dominion against, that is, oppress. So there were those who were oppressed of the devil with the diseases and demon possession and things like that. And Jesus went about healing all of those. Satan also causes misfortune. Go to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And we begin reading there in verse 11. And we're going to read down through verse 16. 
It says, Behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bowed together, and could no wise lift her up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her unto him, and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord answered and said, Thou hypocrite! Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, notice whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And we'll read verse 17. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. But we'll notice Jesus ascribed her physical malady there to being bound by Satan. The word bound there, the Greek word there defines to bind, tie, fasten. She was fastened or tied by Satan because he causes this misfortune on people. Now you think about it, we may get a disease, we may hear you have cancer, we may have a severe accident or something, someone in the family may die, and how often do people blame that on God? Well, Satan is the one who causes misfortune. We need to start blaming the right one and not God. Satan also wears many different disguises. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. Verse 13 says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. So these disguises, what, what kind of disguises are we trying to figure out here? What are these things? Well, such disguises as Billy Graham, Franklin Graham, Max Licato, the Salvation Army, the person that was known as Mother Teresa, the Pope in Rome. So many different disguises that Satan is wearing. And as we mentioned earlier, he has his follows that followers that do his will. And we just named several of those followers that do the devil's will. Satan is also full of subtlety. He's full of mischief. He's an enemy of righteousness, and he perverts the right ways of God. That description is given in Acts 13.10. Acts 13.10, and we want to begin reading just a little prior to that. <clears throat> we want to begin reading there in verse 6. It says, And when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. Now, the they that we're looking at here is Barnabas and Saul of Tarsus. Verse 7 says, Which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimus the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from, excuse me, from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, 
filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, Oh, full of all subtlety. The American Standard Version says guile and all mischief. Again, the American Standard Version says villainy. Thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord. So that gives us some more characteristics there of the devil. He's subtle, he's full of villainy, he's an enemy of righteousness, perverse the right ways of God. And again, that's what we saw in those that we mentioned a while ago. Well, subtlety. Strong says that Greek word means to decoy, a trick or bait, figuratively wile. So he's baiting, he's trying to trick people. Full of all mischief. Thayer's third definition of that Greek word is unscrupulous, cunning mischief. And then he says, thou dost not stop to pervert the right ways of the Lord. The word pervert there, Strong defines that Greek word this way, to distort, that is figuratively misinterpret or morally corrupt. You know, we look at so many things there. How many of those individuals that we mentioned a while ago teach baptism for the remission of sins? Well, the answer, no, none of them do not the way the Bible says. So those they are following Satan. They are followers of Satan. And Satan is persistent. Now going back to Luke chapter 4, we didn't read verse 13 a while ago, but we're going to do it now. Luke 4, 13. And when the devil had ended all the temptation. He departed from him for a season. See, the devil didn't give up on Jesus. He continued to tempt him for the rest of his life. He tempted him, you think about it, whenever the people would reject him. He tempted him whenever the people wanted to make him a king. The devil tempted him whenever, you know, Peter was there, and we're going to look at it in a moment, where Peter was there and denied the Lord. The devil tempted Jesus whenever his disciples fled. The devil tempted Jesus when Jesus was being scourged and put on that cross and knowing that he was going to have to do that. And Jesus knew that all he had to do was pray to the Father and he had sent him angels enough to destroy the world. But Jesus didn't do that. But the devil was persistent. He is persistent with him, and the devil is persistent with us. Because that old devil is always going to be there trying to find our price, you might say. Because the devil, Satan, is frightening, and he's looking for someone to devour. That's 1 Peter 5, 8, where Peter says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to gulp us down. That's what that word devour means. And we need to be vigilant. We need to be ready, because he is always out there. Ben, he's our enemy. He is our enemy. Go look at the parable there of the tares in Matthew 13. Jesus in his explanation here of the parable of the tares. Verse 37, he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one, that being Satan. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The devil is our enemy. He doesn't care about us. 
You go back and think about everything that Satan did to Job. Lost his family, lost his wealth, lost his health. His wife even turned against him there for a little bit. The devil doesn't care about us. He hates us. And he desires to have us. Luke 22, 31. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. It says, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, speaking to Peter there, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. You see, Satan desired Job, and he sifted him like wheat. Now Satan says, or Jesus says, Satan's desired to have you. The word you there, the Greek word humos, is the accusative plural of suit, which is thou. So in other words, Jesus is saying, Satan had desired to have you all, all of you apostles there. He's desired to have all of you. But then you'll notice in verse 33, verse 33, Jesus said there, or verse 32, excuse me, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, in other words, Jesus knew Peter was going to fail. But he says, when you've turned back, strengthen your brethren. Jesus knew Peter was going to fail because Satan desires to have it. He didn't, he didn't stop with the apostles. He wants us. He wants you and he wants me as well. And Satan has his devices. He wants to take advantage of us. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Paul there says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of his devices. The word Greek word there, Strong's defines this way, a perception that is purpose or the intellect, disposition itself. Satan is smart. He is an intelligent being and he has his purposes for human beings. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Paul wrote there, Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles there, methodia, we get our word method from that. Thayer defines that word as cunning arts, deceit, craft, and trickery. The devil is cunning. You might remember what it said back there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He's cunning. He's crafty. He deceives us. He uses trickery. And then going back to Ephesians chapter 6, Whenever you look down in verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, wherefore take unto you all, excuse me, the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That evil day, the day when we're tempted those temptations that come our way, and some of them are pretty severe. Think about Peter there. Oh, you're one of his followers. No, I'm not. Well, Satan sets traps for us. He did there with Peter, didn't he? Matthew 16, 23. Matthew 16, 23. There Peter was just, had just been saying there in verse 22, 
Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Peter was setting, Satan was setting a trap for Jesus through Peter. And Satan will do the same thing through our friends. Verse 23, but he turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. The Greek word satanos, their adversary. For thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. The word offense there, the Greek word scandalon, where we get our word scandal from. Thayer defines that word as the movable stick or trigger of a trap, a trap stick. So again, Satan, he never gave up trying to get Jesus to sin, did he? He doesn't give up trying to get us to sin either. Well, right there, he had that trap set, and Jesus would not fall for it. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, again going back to the qualifications of an elder, 1 Timothy 3, 7, says, Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into the reproach and snare of the devil. The snare is a the word pagus, which means snare, trap, or noose. The devil's trying to trap us. He sets traps. He sets nooses. He sets snares for us. He's always trying to get us to do wrong. In Second Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 26. Second Timothy 2:26, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. And that's the same Greek word that we just saw translated snare. And Satan influences us to do wrong. He can't make us do wrong. You know, whenever, if you might remember, Flip Wilson would always go around, the devil made me do it. No, the devil doesn't make us do anything. He tempts us, he influences us to do wrong, and then we make the decision. In John 13, look at verse 2. John 13, verse 2, and this is the night that Jesus was betrayed. It says, and supper being ended, the devil having put, or now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So we stop and ask the question, did Judas have a choice? Yes, he did. But what? Judas was greedy. Judas was greedy. In verse 27 there of the same chapter, it says, and after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest do quickly. What had, just, what had just taken place? They had just observed the Passover meal. Jesus had washed their feet. He even washed Judas's feet. Judas had a choice. He had a choice and he chose to betray. You know, it's kind of like somebody says, well, you made me mad. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't make you mad. I may have done what I did, and you decided to get mad. Someone else may have decided not to. The same action can cause some people to get mad and others not. Well, it really doesn't cause them to get mad. They choose to get mad. In Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Satan influenced Ananias to do that. Why? What was the problem there? Well, if you look at the background of what was just done there, back in verse 4, verse 36, or chapter 4, verse 36, Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, 
which being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And oh, Ananias and Sapphira's wife both looked at that and said, "Hey, we want to have that same kind of a same kind of a, a prideful thing here." So they sold some land too, but they didn't give all of it. Well, they didn't have to give all of it, but they chose to say they did. Satan influenced them to lie. Well, Satan also influences us through our own desires. James 1, 13 to 15. James 1, 13 to 15. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, 1 John 2, 16. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. In other words, we're enticed, this temptation that Satan sends our way, we're enticed by that because we're desiring that, we're lusting after that, but whenever lust hath conceived, in other words, the act is done, whatever sinful act that might be, it brings forth sin. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So we see that taking place there whenever we are enticed. You know, the devil has his methods with us. He's trying to find our price. He goes, I think this is it. With Job, he said, you know, told God, you build a hedge around him there in chapter one. You build a hedge around him. You bless him and everything. You take away that stuff. He's going to curse you to your face. That's Job's price. No, it wasn't. Well, then he said in chapter 2, skin for skin, all that was animal skin that died, that was servant skin that died, that was his kid skin that died. Let's affect his skin. That's his price to turn against you. Well, no, but the devil thinks we have our price. And he's going to try every way he can to influence us to sin and to turn against God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, look at verse 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. Defraud ye not one the other, talking about husband and wife, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again, that Satan tempts you not for your incontinency. Satan is willing to tempt us every way he can. Satan also hinders and distracts us. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. Paul says there, Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again. But Satan hinders us. The word hinder there, <clears throat> the Greek word Strong's defines this way, to cut into that is figuratively impede or detain. Satan detains us. Well, Satan is also charismatic. You think about the individuals we mentioned, Billy Graham, Franklin Graham, uh, Max Licato, uh, never can think of Smiley the preacher's name, but you, uh, Joel Osteen. In Second Thessalonians two nine and ten, it says, "Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved." Talk about the man of sin. You get in studying the man of sin, that's probably the Roman papacy, Roman Catholic Church. But the word working there, after the working of Satan, Thayer defines that Greek word as working or efficiency. 
Satan is efficient in his work with human beings. Satan blinds people into spiritual darkness. Acts 26, 18. Acts chapter 26, verse 18. Jesus told Paul, or Saul of Tarsus at that time, this is what his duty is to be of the Gentiles. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Turn them from darkness to light. So Satan blinds people into spiritual darkness. And you realize that Satan, you might say, has a trophy case. In that trophy case are atheists, those that practice godless religions like Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, those who are just unbelievers, whether they're atheists or not, and denominationalists. They're all in Satan's trophy case. On May 31st, 1997, Billy Graham had an interview with Robert Schuller. And this is interesting whenever you look at it. Schuller asked Graham, Tell me what do you think is the future of Christianity? Graham stated this. Well, Christianity, and being a true believer, you know, I think there's the body of Christ. This comes from all the Christian groups around the world, outside the Christian groups. I think everybody that loves Christ or knows Christ, whether they're conscious of it or not, they're members of the body of Christ. He's calling people out of the world for his name, whether they come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world or the Christian world or the non-believing world. They are members of the body of Christ because they've been called by God. They may not even know the name of Jesus, but they know in their hearts that they need something that they don't have. And they turn to the only light that they have. And I think that they are saved and that they're going to be with us in heaven. Schuler said, what? what I hear you saying that it's possible for Jesus Christ to come into human hearts and soul and life, even if they've been born in darkness and have never had exposure to the Bible. Is that a correct interpretation of what you're saying? Graham, yes it is, because I believe that. I've met people in various parts of the world in tribal situations that they have never seen a Bible or heard about a Bible and never heard of Jesus, but they've believed in their hearts that there was a God and they've tried to live a life that was quite apart from the surrounding community in which they lived. You want to find that information in the Bible? for me, you're not going to do it. Well, Satan also has a special part of his trophy case, and that's God's unfaithful children. Those who have fallen away, those who make a show of religion, those who cause division, and those who are lukewarm. So you think about it. Are you or am I one of Satan's trophies? You know, you think about Demas there in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. In the book of Colossians, Paul mentioned Demas as a fellow laborer. Colossians 4.14, Luke the beloved physician and Demas greet you. In Philemon, verse 24, Philemon, verse 24, Paul says, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. And then, as I said, we go to 2 Timothy 4.10. Paul says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed into Thessalonica. The devil found Demas' prize. 
loving the world. And you think of other things, the church in Laodicea, those who are indifferent. You think about diatrophies in 3 John, causing division in the church. These are in Satan's trophy case. But Satan can be overcome. He can be overcome. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Paul wrote, There there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. There's always a way of escape. Of escape. In James 4, 7, and 8, one way is submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. The word resist there, the Greek word there defines as this, to set oneself against, to withstand, resist, oppose. In 1 Timothy 6.12, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Paul says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. We're in a battle. We're in a battle every day for our soul. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, you know, if we overcome the devil we'll be able to say what Paul said right here when this life is over. For I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So what is the truth about Satan? Satan's real. Satan's powerful. Most people are following him, Matthew 7, 13, and 14. And he wants you and me to follow him straight into the bowels of hell. Satan will do everything he can do to us to get us to be lost. But we can overcome him through our obedience to God. So again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in to Opening the Scriptures. And Lord willing, we look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.